as a side note, just for a second, why am I only seeing James on my screen? Why am I not seeing? Because I'm awesome. <laughs> there you go. That that you know that's I think, you know, relative depends on. See, I've looked you. I've left you speechless. <laughs> I can't find the right word. I, I think that's all in a, a matter of opinion is what, I'm, what I mean. But no, I literally, you're the only one, you're the only video feed I'm seeing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Discussions with the Devil. I am That Salty Devil. I am Motormouth Midget or Mouthy. And we have um, my buddy James. And, um, <laughs> ape shit. We are officially <laughs> calling him ape shit. <laughs> yes, uh, and just for clarification, uh, so my name is Ethan. I have a channel called Falling Ape Productions, and that's where the ape shit comes from. <laughs> no, the ape shit comes from the fact that you are ape shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess that too. And my secret code name is James. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very original. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. we could we could do what I or what I did when I first met you and start calling you Alter Plier. You could, <laughs> yeah. Because nice. if anybody with anybody watching, you know, anybody watching this after we record it. The first time I met James, I got really confused because we met at Dragon Con. And actually, uh, Ethan and I know James from Dragon Con because Ethan was with me. And I was going to um, donate blood because they had a blood drive during the convention, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I don't know. Where, where did you get all those bags of blood from? What's that? Where did you get all those bags of blood from that you were donating? <laughs> you know what? Shut your hole. It's like, you know, we just, I just, you know, keep a surplus of it in, uh, in my freezer just in case. Never know, you know, yeah. when you're going to. No, uh, <laughs> Ethan and I met James at uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta, and it just so happened I got really confused because my instant reaction was that he looked like another YouTuber named Markiplier. Yes. And. Yes. I later found out that he never knew who Markiplier was until people started confusing him for Markiplier. <laughs> then I was just walking around because I had a camera on my bag uh, capturing 360 video. And uh, I was just walking around pointing at people and be like, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. <laughs> so essentially, you probably got Markiplier a lot of uh, new subscribers. <laughs> Maybe like two. There, there was a kid. Um, there was a friend of my girlfriend's uh, who met us up, who met up with us there, and his little kid actually thought I was Markiplier. And when I went out to dinner with them, he was just like in awe, and I was just like, "Hey, keep following," you know. <laughs> I still, I still need to find a way to get you to meet him, just to see what his reaction is. <laughs> It, it'll be the same as like we don't look alike. It's just you people think we all look alike. No, well, what we're you not crazy. People? You're <laughs> a crazy one. <laughs> oh man, 
Uh, yeah, definitely go to hell. Um, <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, though, um, I guess, uh, what are we uh, discussing today, Molly? <clears throat> well, one thing I want to touch on, um, this is not, ne- for people that are watching this, this is not the first time we've tried to record. We had some uh, audio and video issues when it came to editing um the very first episode i don't know if we're we might be able to recover that at some point i don't know um but the one thing i wanted to touch on is when we were doing um test recording yesterday and ethan i know you weren't involved in that but um james obviously you were you had suggested that um we kind of come up with an like an over an overarching sort of theme for uh, the podcast to better attract people to it so that they kind of knew what they were getting themselves into. And I typed it into the Facebook chat with Salty, and now I don't remember my specific phrasing, but it's basically, you know, discussions with the devil, um, topics something along the lines of topics that help us better understand the human condition um so that kind of gives us the ability to talk about many topics but we're going to discuss them from the perspective of how they impact the people that you know encounter you know certain uh you know, instances of, you know, whatever we talk about. I'm so glad that you picked that theme instead of the one you were going for, uh, the whole Madonna bra and uh, how it affected society. Madonna. <laughs> this one's way better. What? Way better. <laughs> well, wait, is that, is that necessarily off the docket? Because if we can attribute that to the human condition, we could still talk about it. I really thought this episode was not going to go off the rails, but I really, I think I was just, I had high hopes and yeah, no. <laughs> hey, that, that's okay. This is, uh, it's still entertaining regardless. You know, we'll maintain, <laughs> we'll maintain yeah. the topic and everything, but throwing in a little jokes here and there is not going to hurt anything. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping with all of the, 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 you know, veering off the beaten path that we're going to be able to stay on the path. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, so one of the things, and I want to, cause I think this is going to be a, a constant theme within our discussions. One of the things that I think is valuable to our discussions is the fact that Ethan has, um, a degree in philosophy. So a lot of the discussion is going to be centered around like a philosopher, philosophical approach and trying to kind of analyze things from a more intellectual perspective. Um, and I'm, I'm often going to kind of throw it to him to kind of analyze certain things that we talk about. Well, let's not set the bar too high. Well, I can't set bars too high because I'm short, so let's not go there. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. So he I, basically I think... just said it's all on you. Like, yeah, I'm like, ah, uh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> no, it's it's not it's not so much that it's all on you. It's the fact that you have a very unique set of skills, and I just sounded like Liam Neeson, and I haven't even seen Taken yet. Um, uh, but oh, you yeah. have a you have a very unique perspective that you can analyze things from. And I think that that's important um, because with my main channel, my objective was to talk about things that I thought deserved, um, de deserved to be, have a conversation, like things that needed to be conversed about. And I think that to really converse, we, we had to do something like this as far as actually having a conversation with somebody. And I think that analyzing it from a, like a philosophical perspective kind of gets deeper into, you know, the purpose of things, the purpose of what we're talking about. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, we can all definitely try to do that. I think uh, each of our limitations is just, you know, the right questions to ask. Yes. Well, as far as limitations go, we, we're the ones with limitations. You're the one with a degree. So, I mean, you kind of have the upper hand. <laughs> you have a very particular <laughs> set of skills that you've honed over years of training. Yeah. Here we go. Salty's trying to do ASMR. This is not this kind of podcast okay <laughs> <laughs> um so basically to sort of try and jump into the subject that i wanted to discuss um there is a youtuber that i follow uh named tim pool and i think it was one of his older videos that came up on my recommended this morning and it was about um, Terry Crews being attacked by um, the liberal media and liberals in general because he was talking about um, how kids today and kids in general, whether it's today or, you know, in previous generations, he feels that it's necessary for them to to be able to become a well-rounded person. They need the perspectives of, you know, strong male and female roles in their lives. And a lot of people were attacking him, saying that um, his statement was very homophobic. And it started to make me wonder because I, when I heard him say that, I didn't take it as that because I feel like whether you, whether you are a child that is raised by a mother and a father or you're a child that is raised by same-sex parents, I think that it still stands true that you should have strong male and female roles in or role models in your life. I mean... For me personally, um, and 
this is this is me hoping that none of my family ever you know decides to find this podcast because it probably wouldn't go over well with them um i grew up with um just my mom like single or single parent um i my dad was kind of involved in my life when i was younger um but i didn't really find out until I was a teenager that my dad was actually gay. Um, not that it bothered me because, you know, whatever. Um, it didn't really have any impact on me. But I realized af as I got to be a teenager, I realized that growing up with just my mom, I was kind of missing that strong male role in my life because I have a very contentious relationship with my father in the sense that he's not a strong male role model for me. Like I had my, my mom's dad um, as a strong male role model, but my grandfather was old enough to the point where it was hard for him to really be super active in my life because he was older so I never really had a strong male role and I've always kind of struggled with that so I'm curious with you guys um, what your perspectives are on you know how kids are raised and like the perspective of um the parental structure of a household um, as, it as it pertains to, you know, raising kids and making sure that they have the right influences in their life. Well, see, um, I kind of have a, a, um, an interesting, um, interpretation of that because I, my, my mom and dad, they got divorced when I was, when I was seven. Um, but, uh, and for the most part, my, my mom, you know, raised me, uh, my dad's still in the picture. He's, he's a great, great guy. He's really, um, made leaps and bounds as far as like everything that's, that's happened and everything, um, in his life. And he's a great person to talk to. Um, mm -hmm. but like predominantly I was raised by my mom and she she made every effort to um make sure that I was um I was taken care of and I I didn't really need to want for anything. Um she wishes she could have gave given me more, but it it was just the nature of the beast, you know, um single mom raising a child. Um as far as like you know, um male male and female roles like I th I feel like in this day and age that's it's kind of like old terminology because at, at this point where the, the roles don't necessarily fall to either male or female. Um, and I still had my dad and I still had my mom. I was just mostly with my mom. Um, yeah. but she, she would play the role, you know, of what my dad would do when, when I wasn't with him. Um, so like, I guess it. I guess it all kind of depends on uh, perspective, but 
Um, they they did what they could. Um, even though my dad didn't have me all the time. So, I mean, the way I see it, I, it kind of varies from house to house. Um, but that's, that's just my thought. Like she, she raised me to basically be a, um, an honorable person, you know, and I generally care about, you know, the people that I give the time to talk to. So like, I'm talking to you guys right now. Um, it's cause I care. So, um, can, is, are there things that you can differentiate though, that, um, your mom taught you as opposed to your dad? That's what I mean. Basically, I feel like even, even though, you know, one per or one parent can take on both roles, I think, I still think that individually there are things that only a female can provide in, their way of nurturing and teaching and i feel like there are ways that only a male can but I mean, and I, I think it's just biological i mean if you remove gender from the equation it's just things being taught you yeah and that that's kind of what i'm getting at um it's not even so much about the the gender or anything um because like they they both equally taught me um things and for the most part, they were pretty much the same things, um, or in the same category. So, um, it's kind of hard for me to really, I guess, pinpoint exactly what was different because they, they did the best they could with, you know, what time they had. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of, I guess it kind of depends on, um, I guess how you look at it, like for me, I, th- I think they did great. Um, they both, they both taught me, um, basically to care, care for, you know, people, but to also know when I need to step back. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and honestly, like, because I am, I wouldn't necessarily say a, a people pleaser or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, I'm a very compassionate person. I, you know, um, sometimes I need to, there are times where I need to take a step back and realize that what I'm doing isn't, isn't jiving. That, you know, males and females approach emotion differently and I like, my, if you ask any of my close friends, um, I have attachment and detachment issues, or at least I had them. Whereas um, if I felt close to somebody, like I instantly became attached to them. And if they ended up, you know, doing wrong by me at some point, um, it ended up being it ended up kind of breaking me and like I would kind of disconnect and not really know how to deal with it but the the part of me that would would is supposed to kind of push them out of my life for my own sake 
I didn't actually learn how to do that until I was probably 30, so four years ago, because I was I was still so hellbent on trying to keep people in my life that I was afraid of losing anybody, but having more, having, I don't want to say more, but there were more male friends that I started to develop and they started to teach me better ways to, you know, handle things. And from a, from kind of a more detached perspective where I wasn't constantly a roller coaster of emotions if, you know, somebody decided to be an, be an asshole and do wrong by me. So I think that, like I said, I do feel that there are specific things that a male and a female can bring into teaching, you know, a child. Not, not necessarily looking at it from a gender perspective, but, you know, a personality trait, because I do think that males and females do have individual personality traits. Well, I challenge that with, if you never met these male friends and learned these behaviors from them, you would only have what you learned from your mom. Now, say you had a kid and taught what you learned from your mom to the child, that child learned it from a male, so all those behaviors are now male behaviors that he's learning. You're not, you're not wrong, and I, I completely agree with that, but for me personally, if I didn't start having, you know, male role, like male examples in my life on a regular basis, I probably wouldn't be talking to you guys right now because I would be completely disconnected from everybody. I okay. would be legitimately antisocial. All right. Oh. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Ethan, go ahead. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, it seems like we're talking about kind of two different things. Like, I almost want to say like a skill set slash how to handle things versus character. Um, and just for everyone's information, I did find this article about uh, Terry Crews' actual words on Twitter here. Um, I guess it began on Twitter as like uh, an online conversation. Oh, excuse me. An online conversation. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cruz tweeted... Uh, women can speak with us, just not for us. Uh, he goes on to saying, I've reiterated many times that same-sex couples and single parents can can successfully raise a child, but I believe paternal and maternal love are like vitamins and minerals to humanity. No matter where you get the paternal and maternal love... Uh, oh, yeah, okay. No matter where you get the paternal and maternal love, uh, my, my purpose is to give paternal love. So... Uh, that's kind of the the basic of what he said um but i have to agree with what you guys have been saying it, it doesn't seem like it matters the source of where you're learning your character like if if you're in a single parent household and either your mother or father whoever's raising you teaches you to be compassionate if you're if you're accumulating skills to have a good character I don't think it matters whether it's quote paternal or maternal because once I you think, 
I think as, with the way the, that my mom taught me, I became too emotionally connected to people. And I think that was, I think that was damaging for me in a way. So I needed a different perspective to kind of even things out. Okay, but I mean, I want to know what actually did the damaging, because no one should be guilty for being a good person. If you experienced other people who were disrespectful or disattached or what have you, um, that the, the faults shouldn't be put on you. I mean, if, if you if you were trusting and uh, empathetic and, uh, and you know, a, a loyal friend, I mean that. That says a whole lot more about you than uh, your friends. And your friends' actions say a whole lot more about them than it does about you. And I get, I get that, but one of the things that I believe that um, you, me, and Salty were talking about this, my mom, had, my mom had always raised me as a kid, or as a kid telling me the one who dies with the most friends wins. So that was always ingrained into me until I was in my late 20s. And I, that's why I always tried to keep people around, even if they were bad for me. So when I started to have different influences in my life, it didn't really replace what my mom taught me, but it evened it out and made me, you know, think about how to approach things from a, you know, a different perspective. And it, it helped me out, you know, mentally and emotionally because I had that different perspective. Okay, but those perspectives don't necessarily have to have a gender attached to them. Like, a, a male could have easily said the same thing. And I get that, but for me, I guess for me, I, I understand what Terry was saying because I had that experience where I was primarily influenced by my mom for a certain amount of time, but I realized that having a di having a different perspective in my life and you're right I, not it doesn't necessarily mean that gender has to be attached to it but i do think that both males and females bring something unique to the education of you know the our youth Okay. What is it that you're saying females bring and males bring? I think females bring more of a, a nurturing, you know, kind of emotional, uh, emotional education, whereas, you know, males seem to be more um, tactful and logical um, because my logic didn't really develop until I was probably in my late teens when I started to have, you know, more male friends. Like my logic was all over the place and it didn't really exist. But see, even your example, you're saying it's a learned behavior, not genetic. I, I, I wasn't trying to say that it was genetic. I'm, I'm saying- by, by Describing it to male, like this comes from a male, it's because he's male not because he's learned these behaviors. I, I get that... I get that you, what you learn from your elders is taught to them 
from their elders, but it just seems like, at least in my opinion, in my experience, this may not be everybody's experience, I did learn different things from the males and the females in my life, so I understand what Terry is saying. Okay, yeah i I get where you're i I get where you're coming from. Um, but the um, both uh, <clears throat> both James and Ethan they they also kind of bring up a good point too, because like every everybody's experience is going to be a little bit different. Um, with um, I guess you know ro- roles in somebody's lives that whether male or female it's kind of irrelevant. Um, having a the way I see it, having a um having good role models, you know, throughout the family or not, not even necessarily just in the family, just somebody that's influential in your life. Um, that you can learn a lot from that. It doesn't even, it doesn't even matter whether they're, you know, male, female, you know, transgender, anything like that. Um, so like, um, like I got, my dad my dad's really he's really on uh, knowledgeable a lot of stuff um very religious man um love him to death he never he didn't used to be like that um but whether whether you know i follow you know the book or whatever he always offers like good insight you know whenever i ask him um but the same could also be said about my mom um but my mom has a different approach um whereas my my dad is likely more likely to actually go to a physical church and do it a little bit more, you know, literally, um, and not in a, you know, extremist bad way or anything. But then, um, my mom doesn't, my mom, uh, doesn't, doesn't believe that you have to physically go somewhere. Um, so, she she offers a lot of different um perspectives perspectives on that as far as like uh day-to-day life and um you know things that we typically have to deal with in uh our day-to-day lives or even off the wall things so they all they all have like an equal amount of things to offer um but to kind of like pinpoint it as for a male or female okay kind of, kind of irrelevant they 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 um even though they've been divorced they they still tend to um they they're uh what they're saying to me to try to develop me into a a you know a stronger adult and everything it still s- tends to mesh properly um yeah. but you know with that that also being said um one of one of my best friends i'm not even I'm not gonna mention him or whatever we've known each other since kids and everything um you know he's he's gay um, but he, he's also been, you know, a big influence in my life. Um, I don't get to see him nearly as much, but what he did taught me, I, I will always remember. I think it, I, c- I think it kind of d- depends on the dynamic to which you are living. Um, and as far as like pinpointing it down to a role, I think it's kind of, kind of irrelevant. I think it's just life lessons. And actually, you know, now that you say that, it, it's got me, it's 
got me with the same thought process, but approaching it differently where um, taking gender roles out of it, if say if any of us, any of the four of us went skydiving, all four of us are going to go skydiving at the same time, but we may each get something different out of it. And I think that's what I was trying to say is maybe taking the gender roles out of it, looking at it from the perspective of your experience, everybody's going to experience something differently. So I think that's what I meant when I, when it comes to bringing a different perspective, maybe, you know, maybe they're both teaching me the same thing, but they're teaching me from a different perspective so that I can apply both of those perspectives to see kind of what results I can get from it. Okay. So yeah, I, I can, I can, I can see where you're coming from on that. Um, I, I apologize. I wasn't trying to specifically attribute it to gender. I, I was, I was struggling. I think I was struggling to find the words, but I think that um, whether you are male or female, I think that every individual has, you know, a different experience in life. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's a big, big lesson to learn. Cause like, um, I, you know, I would throw out my time in the military or whatever. I've, I've learned a, I've learned a lot from like people that I would, you know, wouldn't even, wouldn't even uh, give the time of day had I, had I not been in the military. Um, you, you kind of get to a point where you, you learn that, you know, everybody, everybody wears the same uniform. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, whether, whether they're, they're part of, you know, LGBT or whether they're, they're black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't mean matter, male, female, we're all on the same page. You know, we're all people. Um, everybody has a different, you know, different experience and different perspectives. And to be, to be able to, um, absorb that and kind of see where they're coming from, I think is, uh, is vital for, you know, personal growth. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't even just have to be in the family. It can be just, you know, people that you connect with along your journey. For some reason, and I know James is going to probably flip me off for this, but the first thing that I, that came to my th my head when I just stopped talking was, oh, my God, I confused him so much that his eyes slammed <laughs> Oh, my God. Unusual. <sighs> See, and he is really the only one I can make that joke with, and he won't hate me for it, or at least I don't think he will. <laughs> Hey, that that's okay. I'll speak with my buddy Lucifer, and we'll have a room reserved for you when you get down there. <laughs> Next to the ice machine. Is, every one of my friends tells me, "Oh, you know, we're going to hell. I'll save you a seat." It's like, bitch, I'm bringing my own. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that I want you to leave that statement in just for people that are going to watch this. And I want them to think that I insulted him just to see if they get, oh. I want to see if they get outraged and, you know, start, you know, popping off at the mouth to me. But I can always just go, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
that's staying in. Um, <laughs> Just to give you a perspective, in 2008, when Obama was running, I had every intention of voting for him because my train of thought was, wow, it's going to be cool, you know, to have the first black president. That was my train of thought. I didn't end up getting to vote because on act, literally on election day, my grand or my grandmother passed away. So I didn't get to vote. Um, I had more pressing matters ahead of me. Um, as I followed Obama's first term, there was a lot of things that he was doing that I didn't agree with. So I decided not to vote uh, for him in for his second term. As I started to really dig in to what he was doing, um, I realized that he, on the surface, he looked like he was, you know, on the up and up. But the things that he was doing that they that the media wasn't talking about were very, very dangerous. And so I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of, you know, mis misinformation with the Democratic Party. It's like, I'm going to see what's on the other side. And the other side ended up being, you know, they're going to tell you, I found more, and this is my experience with people that I've dealt with, I found that they are more honest in the sense that they will tell you how it is. They don't sugarcoat shit. They don't try to hide shit. It they tell you just straightforward you know, how things are going to be. And you judge if you're going to support them or not based on those, you know, what they tell you. And I just, I don't understand why the, I don't understand why identity politics has become so strong in the sense that the Democrats are able to convince people that they are, oppressed or incapable of achieving more because they're basically implanting into their head that they don't have these abilities and they're the ones that are actually oppressing these people that are saying that they're telling who are oppressed where have you heard that uh, their politics says you can't achieve more you listen to any democratic speech and they will sit, they will sit there and play identity politics what well, no but where do they say you cannot achieve more there's no way for you to achieve more in this in the sense that they keep telling these people that you know you don't have the or you don't have these you know abilities because you know so and so's oppressing you or holding you back Whereas, what I heard from that is shit's hard for you. These people are making it hard for you. Shit should not be hard for you. The thing is, they're they're teaching their voter base to blame other people. But That's what? But is it wrong to blame someone else if they are doing shit to make things harder for you? 
If someone's punching you in the face and you say, stop punching me in the face, is that wrong to blame them for punching you in the face? No, it's not. But what I'm saying is these people are told that other people are oppressing them and they take that at face value and run with it and automatically think that they're constantly oppressed without actually reading into it and realizing that if I just took an opportunity that I saw, then I would actually be able to counteract what they call oppression. And I agree there's on both sides, there's people that like, you know, pull the wool over your eyes and, and trick you into thinking some way without rational thought. But then it happens on the other side as well with the whole, like people are coming for your jobs and coming to harm you and coming to this. It goes both ways. That's no, why you no, gotta no. have the middle. I'm not saying I'm not saying that either side is, you know, free of, you know, wrongdoing. The way that they approach things it is very tribal, but I feel like with at least the Democrat side, it's more it's more indoctrin it's more indoctrination and getting you to believe a certain thing where whereas these or these people that are telling you this, they know that you won't look further into it so they know that you'll believe it. And I think that's both sides. I think not enough people gather all the information and think critically for themselves and make a decision based on what they think is right. I think both sides try to make you think the other side's an enemy. That's just strategy. Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly why I don't side with either side. That's why instead of being either Democrat or Republican, I'm Libertarian. I look at both sides and and take basically the good things in both. And I I don't <laughs> if if you know the pros and cons aren't properly aligned. Um, there's really there's really like no good action for me to take. Well, um, when it when it comes to libertarian, uh, there. There's this thing that I, I became aware of probably about a week ago. It's this test that you can take online that apparently tells you whether you are, you know, on the right or on the left or, you know, a libertarian. I honestly, I thought right, left, and libertarian were three different things, but I didn't realize until I took this test that there are right and left libertarian. Yeah. Um, I found out that I am more center, center right with a lot of, you know, what I believe should, or, you know, should happen. Yeah. Uh, but when somebody says, oh, they're, you know, and not you specifically, but in general, what I found with other people I've spoken to, if they say libertarian and somebody you know, questions them as to whether they are right or left libertarian, they get pissed because uh -huh. they they think that it they think that there's right, left, and libertarian. They don't realize that they share values with one side or the other, whether they want to or not. It, it, exactly. And that's that's why that's why I say that I bring that up because both both sides 
there are characteristics in both that are positive, but there are also the same when it comes to negative traits. Um, like, like James was saying, they, they both try to make one side the enemy. That's just the nature of it. Where, yeah. where, I mean, I, like, if we, I, I, politics, I, politics in general sucks. Yes. And that's why with this conversation, I kind of wanted to break it down into how it affects people from a social aspect. Um, and that's why I thought that it was a good topic to talk about looking at it from a social, uh, a social perspective, just to see that there are similarities and show people that they, even if they disagree on something, they will also agree on other things. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I get why you did it. Um, and I, I'm glad we're doing it here because personally, yeah. like, I don't like if you've, if you've, uh, if anybody else, you know, winds up going to, you know, either of our discord or rather, okay, sorry, my discord. Um, <laughs> cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I can't really speak for you. Um, I try to keep politics out of it, but that's just because, um, of the environment I'm trying to facilitate. I, it tends to uh, set people off, but, no, but oh. here, but here, cause we're having a, um, we're having a, I guess an exchange of ideas, ex an exchange of ideas. Um, it's fine. Um, one thing I, one thing I want to get your perspective on because I'm able to actually hear you and hear the inflection in your voice. Um, as far as your discord server goes, the, and I know you, and I know that you're going to know what incident I'm speaking about. Um, in regard to a specific member of your discord that was speaking recently about politics and other members tended to try and get that individual to not talk politics. Um, you know what I'm referring to? Oh yeah. I know who you're talking about a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, and that, that mutual friend said, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing. It's like, you need to be educated about the things that you want to speak of or that you want to speak about because you also have to be aware of, you know, I think you have to anticipate the responses that you're going to get. Um, and I think that's extremely important because you kind of have to read the room to see how people are interacting and see if you bring up, you know, subject A, you're going to get, you know, a response that may not be as in line with what you were trying to accomplish. It may end up being very scratchy. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and like, and I kind of like what I was saying, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for, you know, having different, you know, perspectives and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like discord goes, I want to kind of keep the politics to a minimum because like, because it's my discord. It's not about that. It's about, you know, creative minds, you know, coming together, having fun, gaming and all that stuff. I don't want a difference of opinion to be the thing that like tears people away from each other 
because you we can have a decent conversation about anything we can relate um you know and and you gotta also think about the second and third order effects too um it may affect them directly but it also affects the community as a whole you know when those people are are fighting and if they leave you like that that leaves it that leaves a schism within our group and that's not what i want um I think amongst the four of us, like us four right here, I think we can have that exchange of ideas. But like when that individual started speaking about politics within the con or within the confines of the Discord server, there were so many possibilities of a response because of so many people in that room. It literally would have been a mob mentality free for all, regardless of what side they took. Exactly. Um, and and like, like I said, that's that's what I try to avoid because like there's it's a difference between having a conversation between three hundred three other individuals than forty other individuals in the same place. Yeah, that's you don't know what you're gonna get, and you might you might get shut down, you might get supported, you don't know you. Right. But to yeah. kind of save it, I would just kind of keep it, um, keep it more, more leisurely discussion rather than serious political. And okay. that doesn't mean you can't like talk about like, you know, personal issues. I don't really care, but political tend to push push on people's hot buttons. And I don't want to deal with it there because I'm trying to get it. I'm like me personally, it's a passion project and for me, it's a way to kind of break away from reality for a bit and allow me to, you know, channel that passion into something that I, I love and get people connected. Yeah. So last thing I want is to tear people apart because of difference of opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I think we should, you know, let other people speak. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that guy. <laughs> I, I get uh, I get I get really passionate sometimes. Um, go ahead. What was the subject? Yes. What? So what was what was your subject? What were you talking about? Yes. Oh Lord, here we go again. <laughs> oh. Um. I mean, basically, I just got people in politics don't like each other. Oh my God, that that little mannerism that you did. I don't even know that that reminded me so much of my father. It's like I had flashbacks. <laughs> if you were in front, if you were in front of me, I probably would have just punched you in the nuts. Um, but no, and, and I like I said, I want us, and I, I think I was explaining this to Salty earlier. I want us to be able to have a free exchange of ideas and discuss topics that are a little bit scratchy with that but i want us to be able to ex- or discuss them from the perspective of how they impact other people rather than what each individual opinion is like mm. the like personal opinion of a subject i want to be able to analyze it and see how it affects different people. And I think that's one of the benefits 
one of the huge benefits of having Ethan here because as, as long as Ethan starts to voice his opinion more, he can jump in and approach something from a philosophical standpoint and kind of keep us away from politics or say if we ever got onto a, um, a discussion about religion, he could, he could turn it into a philosophical so it relates to all instead of it was, you know, one side versus the other. Yeah. What does philosophy say about wanting to protect your own from people you are unfamiliar with? Because we're allowed to have guns in our home to protect ourselves from those on the outside. We, we live within four walls to protect ourselves from potential harm outside those walls. So I don't understand why a wall separating the, you know, one country from another is a bad thing when we have a controlled border from Canada to the U.S., why can't we have a more controlled border at the southern border? What, I mean, from a philosophical standpoint, what is the perspective of that? Well, for one thing, you need to differentiate between a threat and the other. Well, uh, yeah, but to, just to stop you a little, one of the things they're trying to combat with the wall is not just the threat of aggressive people. There's a lot of human trafficking coming up from the like South America, New Mexico. There's a lot of human trafficking happening. And so that is one of the things that they're trying to combat. But everybody's stuck on, oh, we want to stop, you know, illegal aliens, which, yes, I do not think that people should be here undocumented. I don't because that just lets them run free and not have any accountability. But part of the reason that uh, they want the wall to be built is to stop human trafficking and to stop kids from being brought into this country illegally. And the one thing that I actually didn't know until recently was that when Obama was in office, there was actually a measure that was being considered by the Democrats for funding for more of a border wall. But now that the Republicans are talking about it, the Democrats want nothing about it. It's it's on the books and uh, you know it, there is plenty of information out there there or back when Obama was in office, there was discussion about more border security um, funding. But now that the Republicans are saying it, the Democrats are staunchly against it. So, so wait, was it border security funding or border security funding for a wall? Border security funding for a wall. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I was, I'll, I'll, I'll admit ignorance on that. That That's something I haven't heard of. Um, but from a philosophical standpoint, what is, what is your take on wanting to defend your own from people that you're unfamiliar with while still being compassionate to those that are looking for help? Uh, well, there are a couple... A couple of different problems with the wall. Um, I know the initial argument for it was to stop 
drug trafficking, yes. uh, which is a very low percentage of right because that actually comes in through ports of entry as well. Yeah, and honestly, also a lot of so-called illegal aliens fly over uh, right. the border um, the and they just overstay their visas. Before I forget, one of the things that I actually wanted to uh, pose to you, and it's something I've talked to other friends about, would, would they, and I, I don't know how logical of a, of a step this would be, if they decided to reopen Ellis Island as a port of entry again, instead of using it as a museum, would people be more agreeable to having a wall with the southern border as, as long as a main port of entry was designated? Okay, well, actually, now here, here's another problem with the wall. It is going to cost billions and billions of dollars, and generations of Americans will be stuck with the bill uh, for quite some time. Um, we're, st we're stuck with billions in debt already, uh, trillions in debt already. I mean, what's another billion? Well, it's not just a billion. It's going no, to be— No, no but I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> you know, in generally speaking. <laughs> right. But also, it, for one thing, it won't necessarily stop the problem. Uh, I mean, again, there are ladders. There are tunnels. People will find a way to get through no matter what. Yeah. Um, philosophically, what should be done is a cross-national endeavor to change the system. Um, my own personal thoughts is that there should be almost like a, a North American uh, alliance between mm -hmm. Canada, uh, the United States, and Mexico, uh, which is to say almost the equivalent of the European Union. Um, if we each had equal influence over the other, I think uh, Mexico would shape up pretty quickly. I, I, ideally, I, you know, I can't really uh, say statistically what will happen or anything, but um, I just know them being relatively isolated um, and kind of enclosed within their own political corruption, uh, social injustices, that sort of thing. They don't seem to have the, the means to help themselves yet. Um, so I think the United States should play a, a, a larger part in diplomatic endeavors to change uh, the political system in Mexico, to let them know that people can rise up without fear of death or incarceration or, um, or uh, let, let them know that there are other alternatives to paying off uh, drug lords to uh, get the ins for political candidacy and that sort of thing. There's, yeah. an ar there's an argument for, you know, more intervention in, you know, foreign affairs, but there's also the argument of the U.S. needs to stay out of foreign affairs. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more of, you know, unless... Unless foreign affairs directly impact us, I think we should stay out of foreign affairs. And I think we found that out when we went into uh, Iraq in the early 2000s. 
because our actions in Iraq taking down uh, Saddam Hussein directly resulted in the um, in the uprising of ISIS. So I think that we need to stop being interventionalists and focus more on domestic things. And that's why I think that we need to, you know, start strengthening things domestically. You know, yeah, I, as far as, as long as it's not a war, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we need to stay out of it unless our help is wanted. Um, but we also have to accept the fact that we are in a global economy now and every nation taking part is affected by every other nation taking part currently. Um, so if it's a, a more of a diplomatic means, then that certainly is a whole lot more uh, affordable as far as national debt or anything like that. Um, so I'd say that'd be okay, but yeah, you're right when it comes to like any war effort. Uh, that we, I think we should... Along, yeah. along, wait. along that argument of and Salty, I know you want to jump in, but I just got to get this out before I forget it because I'm old. <laughs> Shut up, James. I know you're not. I'm. I know you're going to correct me on that. Um, as far as <clears throat> being a global economy and countries relying on other countries to survive, if you look at it from the perspective of the American Southerner, a lot of uh, you know, the majority of American Southerners, they have the means to go out and hunt for their own food and rely, they rely on themselves to provide for themselves. So I don't see, I, I think that if we were to take ourselves out of the global economy, it would force people to I think look internally and start relying more on themselves and you know exploring what they're capable of doing instead of relying on other people because it's like my mom always told me when I was growing up I can't always I couldn't always rely on her because she's not always going to be around if you remove the US from the global economy what would you be skyping on right now and I, I get what you mean, but I think that we are so I think that we are so embedded in the global economy that I think that you know a drastic withdrawal from it, yes, it would crash so many things. But I think that it I think it gradually needs to happen though, because I don't I mean it's like if I, if I was to relate it to something that I can actually relate to, I don't like the fact that I have to rely on social security disability. I hate that. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge for me to find a job, but overall, I don't like the fact that I have to rely on health. I was raised. I was raised to be very self-sufficient, but there are, there are certain things where I have to rely on other people, and it kills me. 
but I'm working toward, I'm actively working toward a, a time where I can be entirely self-sufficient where I don't have to worry and rely on any or on anybody else. I know I'm capable of doing it. It's a gradual progression, but I know it's possible. So like I said, I understand that the US is so deeply entrenched in a global economy that a, a, a sudden withdrawal would crash so many things. But I think it's necessary to teach people that they need to rely on themselves first before they rely on their neighbor. It's been this way since there were just villages, though. So one village had this product and this other village had that product and they traded with each other so that they could acquire these things they didn't have. It's just a bigger stage now. And I mean, you're going, you want to be isolationist, and but uh, super rare earth minerals we don't have in this country. We have to get that from other countries. I don't know. I don't necessarily know if I would want to go full isolationist, but I want to be. I want to see a world that is more self-sufficient instead of okay globally reliant. I would say instead of splintering the world into us, 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 and very a lot of small, tiny things. I would say why not make it one giant thing and say we're all one people. Because if we're all one people, people are going to start bitching that there's no individuality anymore. But what happens whenever we go like interstellar and then it's, it's planet based and not country based or state based? It just it always just grows bigger and bigger. It'll be like we colonize Mars, then it's Earth versus Mars, and then we colonize another solar system, and then it's Soul versus them. You know, it, it's always going to be groups. And you know, I, and I I agree with that because you know there are things that are outside our control, but to be able, we have to progress as a as a species, as a people, and you know, be be more cognizant of what's out there. But I think we have to have the wherewithal to know that you know, it doesn't have to constantly be us versus them or, you know, us versus each other kind of thing. Okay. Hey, can I jump in? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm just, uh, I'm kind of jealous that you can jump, but. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. You're not sorry. It's <laughs> my ass. You're not sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Anyways, though, like, um, yeah, all right, starting back from when I initially wanted to jump in, um, uh, the whole idea of the wall, like, I get what they're trying to do, but at the same time, I feel it's kind of misguided or misdirected, I would say. Um, it was like, I, I get they want to stop the drug trafficking and the human trafficking or whatever, but like, we can handle that on our end. Because we, you know, we have the resources to figure that out and, and all that, you know, people report stuff and et cetera. Um, but I, I feel as though, I feel as though it's, it's not the way to go about things nowadays. Um, 
it, it, basically you're saying idea versus implementation. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I get what they're trying to do, but at the same time, it's, there's a better way of doing it without like, you know, screwing, screwing them over if they want a better life mm -hmm. and also pissing off the nation. There's always a better solution. And I don't think, um, especially in, as far as like, you know, political parties and, you know, all the po politicians in, in um, DC and all that. I don't think they actually see that there are other options. Um, I think they know that there are other options, but I think that they are looking at what options are going to be monetarily lucrative for them. And see, that's the problem. It's like, I, I get it. You know, we want to enforce the economy, but at the same time, we're getting away from, you know, our, our values as a nation, because we, we as a nation, like, I, I don't I don't know if you remember like Schoolhouse Rock, the mm -hmm. the melting pot, like yep. to me that's to me that's still a thing. So like whenever I hit the wall, like I I kind of get I get kind of heated. I get a little frustrated because I'm like, okay, so we're no longer the melting pot. We're like, well, oh, we're just gonna keep the people there here. So like we're not welcoming any more people in. Um, but well, I, I think, but I think, it's, I think it's a matter of we still want to be the melting pot, but we just want to have a little bit more control over you know, knowing who comes in, not control who comes in, but control over knowing who comes in. Okay. And, and, and I get that, but like I said, there are better ways of doing it than spending a billion dollars on a wall that they're just going to get over anyways. There, we could, there's a lot of other solutions that we could do to make sure that, you know, the proper processing is done and all mm -hmm. that. And we, we could, you know, make it a, you know, a adequate, maybe even more expeditious process. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of sad the way, way things kind of panned out because like, we're, we, we were the nation that people wanted to come to in order to make a better life. And, mm -hmm. and it seems like we're getting away from that. And that's, that's a problem. Like to me, that's, that's part of our core values as, you know, the United States of America. Um, and it, it's, it's just frustrating to me. Um, but that's, but I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get too far into the weeds with that. Um, the, the next point, can you remind me of what that was? Because I, I had something and it's gone. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Removing ourselves from global economy to teach other countries to be self-reliant. Thank you. That one. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, my, my, my attention span and my train of thought is, is as short as me. So, you know, um, there you go. Fair, fair enough. You are the motor mouth midget. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from on that you know, as well. Um, but I, I don't think we should be completely removed from it. Um, we should be there to assist people if they need it. But I, until that, um, assistant is, is called upon 
I don't feel it's absolutely nece- necessary to intervene until it gets to that point. Or, or like in the example of, um, you know, World War II, you know, with the expansion of, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the basically Nazis, National Workers Party, um, you know, trying to basically circumvent, you know, some somebody or a group of people that have essentially, by a moral standpoint, a evil um, persona or, um, I guess, values. Because we, we need to kind of maintain a level of a, of a chivalry as our nation. And I feel we're kind of getting away from that. And that's, that's not ideal, um, at all. So. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a slippery slope because like, like I said earlier, it's, it's concept versus implementation because all of us kind of, I mean, I think all of us want the same thing, but I think our way, our different approaches to implementation are kind of what separate us. And I think, um, and I've said this before, I think that our unwillingness to, oh crap, I do. Um, I think our unwillingness to be comfortable talking about it like the four of us are, I think overall, I think that's what separates us is our unwillingness to see where the other side is and see if we can meet in the middle. Mm. Well, I think there's problems and solutions, and then you're trying to find solutions to problems you have. But then I also think there are things where you're just wanting to win or don't want to lose. And this has become an issue where it's a win versus lose thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not solving problems. Yep. And that's, yeah. that, that's, that's a big issue. Cause we, I, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to uh, talk over you mouthy, but um, we need to get to a point where it's mutually beneficial on, on both sides, you know, to where there it's, an even playing field everybody has you know you know the the rights that um i guess could be equated to um you know just being a human being um so but just 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 as a as a side you know a side idea just for fun just to kind of make games uncomfortable Salty, how old do you think James is? Um, hmm. No, I'm, I'm Asian, so it could be up into the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I'd say, um, I'd say. Upper thirties, maybe maybe low forties. Maybe. That's a good guess. I mean, you had a hint knowing I was older than him already, but yeah, 40, <laughs> uh, 42 in June. Well, okay. consider the fact that I'm only thirty four. So I mean, you could have been, you know, upper, you know, upper thirties. But yeah, 
I was I was dumbfounded. I told him he was lying to me when he told me how old he was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, I, I, and I know that Salty and I have basically commandeered the conversation, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Sorry, as, far as, as far as, you know, your, your individual perspectives, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, my take is that humanity essentially is, uh, each one of us is a unique, fleshy bag of ideas. So, and again... Each each one of us has a different perspective. So are you calling, I, are you calling us all adipose? Uh, well, adipose is a type of cell. So we're I, I'm saying we're fleshy bags of stuff, a whole bunch of cells and tissue, and so, we can think. So I was gonna say adipose adipose to me is the little creatures from Doctor Who. So so yeah, well, we're we're smarter jellyfish. Uh. I guess you could call it that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just happen to used to live in trees. Uh, but, um, but yeah, like, whether you're male or female, each one of us offers a unique perspective on life. And growing up, yeah, you know, you do probably gravitate towards one perspective or another, and then you test it in real life and see if it works or not, and then... I don't know, come to your own conclusions. But yeah, you, your journey through life, you meet a ton of different people. And not only just meeting, but even people you see on screen. Uh, like, I remember as a kid, like, I used to look up to the Ghostbusters or the Jedi or, I don't, you know, uh, X-Men, what have you. Um, and each one of those played a part in developing, you know, who I was as a person. So, you, we experience a lot uh, throughout life's journey, um, and at the at certain points, you can choose your guides. You can, you know, again choose this perspective over another, or this life lesson. Uh, you know, whatever applies to you most effectively at that point, use it. Whether it become or whether it comes from a male or female, mother, father, uh, your family unit, it's, to some point, doesn't matter. Probably beyond the age of uh, somewhere between twelve and twenty-one, say, um, because at that point, ideas are ideas, perspectives are perspectives. Um, and it becomes yours to do what you will. Yeah. So. James, what do you think? Well, I think if you removed, like, make everybody in the world a single gender, then it's more, I learned to be kind from this person. I learned to have thick skin from this person. I learned these other traits from these other people. It's not a guy taught me this. It's this person who was aggressive showed me what it was like to be aggressive. <laughs> yeah. He was kind, showed me what it was like to be kind. Um, and, and just to kind of elaborate on that, that's, like I said, that's what I was saying, but I think because of the Terry phrase, I think the female were stuck in my head. Um, but um, with my dad, I, because 
I think because of my lack of exposure to him and what little exposure I had, but I did have to him, I I didn't really gravitate to the things that he taught me because of the way that he presented them. Um, when I started when I got high school, because um, he or before I was born, he was actually a uh, history teacher. So history has always been something that has been very a strong suit for me. Um, and but it's weird. It's weird to me because I never knew about him being a teacher until I was in high school. Um, so I was I was genuinely unaware of that for so long. But uh, you know, I throughout high school, throughout all of school, I was the history. But when I would have discussions with him about historical things and I would challenge his thought on something, he became, well, normally you'd call it he became aggressive, but in his case, he became a whiny bitch. Like, he (laughs) would... He and I shit you not, he became a whiny bitch. Like he and I refuse to talk. We cannot have a logical conversation anymore because he does not like it when I disagree with him. Even if I even if I it, I am right and I can prove it to him, he hates it when I disagree with him. So I think that especially you know being. I don't want to, you know, even though I'm 34, I still consider myself being raised old school. Um, I I still look at it, you know, as that. I think that's why I was, you know, looking at the whole gender thing, because I was still coming out. I was still in that generation that, you know, strongly relied on different lessons that you were taught by you know a male and a female so i think that's why i was stuck on that but you know i I think i learned stronger things from my mom um but i i kind of learned how not to approach things from my dad um but i learned a lot more from the other males that happened to be in my life and I think that's why I look at it from that perspective. Um, but yeah, like with the, with the select few guys I have in my life, I can actually have an intellectual conversation and it'd be a healthy exchange of ideas. Whereas if like the one girl that I still talk to, if I try to have an intellectual conversation with her, she literally spaces out. And if I ask her for a response, she will tell me, you know, she, she'll say, you know, oh, you lost me at such and such because I, you know, I can't connect. And, you know, my brain shut down. It's like, I don't understand that. Well, I mean, it all depends on the individual. Uh, and again, perspective. Um, she might not have the same perspectives that you provide. So she can't find that same ground to... Uh, 
don't know, you know, form an opinion or anything. Even if you guys have different perspectives than I do, you've been able to at least respond to my remarks. And that's what I'm saying with her and with my mom, I can't have in-depth discussions with them because they get too flustered and they don't respond, you know, rationally like, like the four of us are they just kind of shut down and say, you know, well, this is, you know, this is just too much. I don't know enough about it. And they, they get bothered by it. I think that's just a matter of the, the group or like the social upbringing of the person or what crowd they're in. Like say I'm hanging out with my buddies that are more jocks. I try to bring up tech stuff, their eyes glaze over and I get punched in the dick. And then I have to, (laughs) you know, I, I know all about that, but I, um, but I, I, I agree with you, James, though, um, because like it depends on the individual. Um, I find that like people that um, I'm closer with or whatever, um, not saying I'm not, you know, close to you guys or whatever. But I mean, like as far as like, let's say like me and my wife, it kind of depends on the given day. Um, and it's not just her. Like I, I'll, I'll get emotional, too, um, yeah. when it comes to certain things. You know, it, it depends on my mood, depends on whether I remember to take my medication or not. Um, but <clears throat> like so, sometimes like uh, sometimes it, it, it's all about timing, too, because like I'll I'll have something that like like seems trivial. And logically, I know it's trivial, but it's still bugging the shit out of me. And I'll, I'll just, it'll just fester fester all day. And then I eventually calm down and then I can address it. So, um, I, I really, it kind of depends on the person. Um, now I, I can't really argue the fact that, you know, um, you know, as far as like on a biological standpoint that yes, you know, females tend to be more emotional, but that's not always the case. Um, you know, the way the way I was the way I was raised and everything, like like I said before, I'm a very compassionate person. So like, if I feel like I am I'm failing my, you know the the ones I hold most dear, whether that's true or not, like I lose my shit. Like it, you know, and it takes me a while to come down from that and to realize, you know, that things happen, you know, and like it's like my brain battling it itself out. So, I mean, I would, I would try not to take it too much to heart because everybody's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hate to sound like a statistician here, but it, it really depends on your sample size. Uh, if you take two points, two individuals, and then form a generalized conclusion, uh, you can't really do that. <laughs> Um, it just happens that, you know, these two or three points happen to be outliers or you know, something like that. Um, so there's a, you know, I guess a, a faulty and logically extrapolating everything from that, those two points. So, uh, yeah, the, the take home is don't, don't overgeneralize. Again, everyone is unique. Everyone has their own perspectives. Uh, you just have to find people you connect with. Yep. Whether that be male or female. Yep. And uh, 10 points for using the word extrapolating. <laughs> awesome. 
I didn't know you guys are keeping score. Yes. So many more words I want to use. Um. Oh wow. Oh, one of the other things I wanted to uh, kind of jump into. Um, one of the other videos I was watching before we jumped into the chat. Um, as far as not not to get too political, but when it comes to activism um, and the way that activists are today, um, Ethan, I know you and I have a lot of discussions about you know activism and politics and whatnot. Um, but there was a um, an article that was talking about uh, Green Day and how um, modern day feminists are right now extremely pissed off at Green Day because they are coming out with a book that is that is literally described as a handbook for modern day feminists because Green Day considers themselves male feminists. So they felt like they could, um, they, they felt like they could add their voice to a handbook that they could sell for, you know, feminists to be able to, you know, buy and read and whatnot. And they are getting so much backlash right now for doing this. And the one thing that because of what they call outrage culture right now, I was curious what you guys thought about um, how activism as it you know, manifests current or, you know, in current times, how it affects um, mental health, like of the activist and of the people being I guess acted upon. I guess I wanted to know what you guys thought about that. Uh, um, <clears throat> well, I mean, it kind of, I guess it kind of depends. Cause like sometimes, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely warranted. And, you know, our founding, founding fathers kind of encouraged that, you know, you know, if we, felt that we were wronged by, you know, the government or any agency connected therein that, you know, we stand up for what we believe in. Um, I think there are still left and right limits, but at the same time, um, I guess it, I, I guess it kind of varies from situation to situation. Like I, me personally, like I would, I would also consider myself a, you know, a, a male feminist, but I also know that I'm also not a female. Um, so I, I gotta, I gotta ba basically make sure that whatever I'm saying in support of that, of that and making sure that things are equality, that I'm not overstepping my bounds and all that. Um, and that's just out of courtesy. I do that with a lot of things and that's not just, um, on this topic. Um, cause I, I just, I want to be careful and I want to make sure that I am, I'm going to make a positive impact rather than, you know, receiving backlash, not just on myself for, but also causing it for them as well. Because, um, 
there's a difference between um there's a difference between an extremist feminist and then what feminists that um actually like stand for you know equality you know across genders um so i mean kind of knowing where where the line is i think is vital um the whole reason i brought that up is um Uh, oh, all right. Okay, I'm pulling up an article. Oh, okay. So the book is titled Last of the American Girls, yep. which would serve as a how-to book for women who don't want to conform to societal standards, which sounds great, except for the fact that it's yeah being written and illustrated by a team of men. Ah, okay. So upon first hearing about it, if it were a book uh, for male feminists then i'd say all right cool that's like a sign of solidarity toward uh you know the the feminist uh wing in society uh as well as you know a solid for uh women in general but yeah it looks like the book <laughs> okay I, I guess it tells women how to not conform to societal standards um but again, yes, being told from the perspective of men only. Uh, I, I, I think that is a bit dangerous. Um, if it were a book written by men as male feminists for male feminists, I'd be all for it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, society needs that solidarity. Uh, but it looks like that's not the case, <laughs> at least according to this article. Um until I actually either read the the handbook or uh, read a synopsis, I really can't judge. But it looks like they might have taken a misstep. Um, I think they may have actually killed their career with this thing. <laughs> because, because outrage culture is such a thing right now where people – People are mad at everything, even if they don't know why. I think that's a big issue. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I can't even begin to speculate what was going through their head to make them think that this was a good thing to do. Well, if uh, I can see the anger at like mansplaining things. To- to, to girls. Um, Why but, in the world did you have to use that word? <laughs> but uh, but um, I think if you remove any indication of who the author is and just have the words, <laughs> is it good advice? Is it bad advice? Doesn't matter who it came from if it's good advice. Yeah, and in that, in that case, yes, I would have to either read the book or a synopsis to actually gauge. Um, but from the perspective of the you know the feminist movement, I can see why they'd feel a little indignant uh, yeah. at the writing of this book. Um, but again, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm a big fan of Green Day. Um, I love their work since you know the late '90s. Um, uh, so I, I I would hope they would offer a more 
at least a hopefully uh, empathetic and enlightened perspective on the issue. Um, so I'm not going to jump to any hard conclusions right now. Uh, but in all honesty, I really think they could have done well by either you know consulting with women or you know having you know co-authors you know working together uh, as a male and female team uh, to offer both perspectives. I think it would have been great, but um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, I could I, I could definitely see where you're coming from there, uh, Ethan, because um, I uh, honestly like you got you got to kind of incorporate you know that you know that perspective because you know honestly like you know we we may support um, we may you know support feminism as males, but we're also males. We can't really, yeah. we can't really, um, get the full, I guess, perspective of the whole thing because of that. It's just, it's right. just the nature of it. So like if you, if you at the very least, you know, are incorporating, you know, conversations with it, you know, females talking about this very subject and everything, I feel that that would probably be a step in the right direction because then you're using, um, you're using your support and your ability and allowing them to uh, spread the word um, while, I guess, not taking the entire credit of it because you can't really do that <laughs> as, you know, uh, a male on the outside of feminism. So it's just, yeah. I mean, because yeah. it, it's, it's supposed to be an even ground. Exactly. I, I mean, and again, what James said, if, if the book offers legitimately good advice, then I'm like, you know, good on you guys. But um, but yet none of us chooses who we are biologically. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm stuck as a white male no matter what. Um, and I mean, I hate to say it, society does not operate in fairness. Um, history has shown that. And yeah. uh I, I'd like to think at this day and age, hopefully anger uh, is working toward the betterment of society and that people are actually noticing injustices and inequality and you know everything else that is actually wrong with society and hopefully bringing it to attention in hopes of changing it so society will be more on an even keel for everybody. Um, so yeah, I, I do I, I appreciate what Green Day was trying to do, but I can also understand the female perspective of you know why why they might be a little angry uh, at the writing of this book. So yeah, I, I understand the initial shock and outrage just by what the book is and what you think it represents, but then I'd want to know the context before so I would know what to actually be mad about yeah and if there is anything and um, if they're trying to say hey ladies uh, this is what you need to do because you're not doing it right eh, get mad but if they're just saying hey these are the tricks that men play and this is what you need to watch out for here's our advice to avoid what we do then I can get it but since not I didn't read the book I don't know where it's coming from well, the book is the book is as far as I think it's um, 
I think it's out in October or something. I don't know. September, right? Uh, no, the the book. Yeah, it comes out when September ends. Ha. <laughs> 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 Ethan, you're a dick. Bazinga. Ethan, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, something I wanted to touch on uh, that James kind of brought up that kind of sparked um, a thought in my head of one of the subjects. Um, as, as far as, you know, um, a male kind of explaining things to a female, um, I, I think that loosely relates to how people identify. And one of the other things I was curious about um, with, you know, your thoughts, um, what they, I, I guess, what they consider identity politics. Um, and Ethan, I, I, I wonder what your specific perspective is on this, because um, I know that uh, back when the election was happening in 2016, um, you and I had, you know, been talking a lot. And one of the things that they're saying is a lot of the identity politics started in the Democratic Party when um, Bernie Sanders made the statement that white people don't know what it's like to be poor. Um as far as identity politics goes, um, what is your perspective on that as, as far as your knowledge of it? Um, and do you think that it's helpful or dangerous? Oh, boy. Well, that 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 is tough because I know... I, I, the way I I understand identity politics uh, is that you know certain swaths of society gravitate toward one party or another depending on who they think is going to best represent them. Um, and I think that's apt uh, because you know the overall purpose of government is to hopefully make lives better for people uh, under their, well, yeah, I guess under under the government, um, whatever nation state you happen to be in. So, if there is a group of oppressed people, and whether it's the Republican or Democratic Party or a whole new party um, that's trying to help them, then they're going to gravitate toward that party because that's their best chance toward uh, achieving equality. Um, when Bernie mentioned. You know, when you're white, you don't know what it's like to be poor or whatever. Um, I mean, I think he was wrong in saying that because there are certainly a lot of poor white people. Um, keep go ahead and keep talking. I, I got to step away for a second. Because, okay. uh, yeah, because I'm mean, not going to be wrong. Whether you're it doesn't matter what color of your skin is. Being poor sucks uh, yeah. for everybody. Um, but I know. Uh, like in the African American community, 
poverty hits you a whole lot harder because you have other systemic, uh, I don't know, obstacles, I guess, um, that you have to overcome on top of poverty. Uh, so I, I, I think uh, there are varying degrees of hardships depending on your demographic. Um, and I know the United States being a so-called uh, you know, white nation, quote, uh, it, I, I think uh, there is some privilege on the part of being white no matter what uh, your financial uh, situation is. Ooh. But... Um, and I'm back. <laughs> ah, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry, that, yeah. that had to happen. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... There... I'll admit, being a poor white person, you don't know what it's like to be a poor black person, say. Uh, but again, it's not, guess- that's, not the, that's not the argument. Bernie Sanders specifically said, if you are white, you don't know what it's like to be poor. He didn't say, you don't know what it's like to be a poor black person. The majority of ideas I hear that are progressive and more on the scale of equality and opportunity for all is mostly coming from uh, Democrats. Okay, but are the are, are you listening to their ideas and just taking them at face value, or are you looking at them from a deeper perspective? Because they may look good on the surface, but their implementation may end up being more harmful than helpful yeah isn't that what every candidate does (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) not really not really wrong um (laughs) yeah well okay so i I see you trying to say that he he's listening to his own i mean guess they're they're like preaching to the choir he's only going to listen to his own party i don't listen. I mean, I may watch comedy shows, but for the most part, when it comes to political radio or things, I listen to the opposing side on purpose because I want to hear their arguments and their arguments still don't make sense to me. Yeah. I get that. Pe- like, it, it's, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with people ha- experiencing the same thing but taking something different away from it um you know it it all depends on your frame of mind the way that you are going to interpret what they're saying 